This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. This is a technology show. Yes, a technology show. For goodness sake, how many times? I am Stephen Scott. Uh, also with me this week, we have Sean Priest. Hello. Hello, I am just bursting with tech. I'm just bursting with pride <laughs> and happiness. And pizza. Because Tim Schwartz is back. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. I think you're just both bursting. Boy, that's not easy to say. <laughs> Tim's back. Was it worth the wait? Oh, stop. <laughs> and I would like to say, who has been in my room tampering with the portraits on my wall of Barack Obama and Justin Trudeau, and it's been defaced with someone else's portrait of Donald Trump? With all these kiss marks all over it? I think it's Stevens, because it sure as heck is not mine. Oof. What's your language there, Tim? Oof. He gets passionate when you mention Trump. I know. I've noticed that. The thing is, Tim... Um, I don't think anybody's told you, but it's always been Trump. Just saying. Um, Never anyway, been Trump. It's lovely to be back. Yes, and it's good to have you back, Tim. Well, it is, it's lovely. I know your wife would never say those words, but we will. Uh, that's the kind of people we Thanks, are. I think. <laughs> right, we've got lots to get through. We have, do you know? And we thought this week, right? We thought for once, we thought, right, we've got to, we've got to shake off the nonsense, right? Because. You know, you two are always at it. There goes the show. Yeah, and I think this time around we're going to do it properly. I've made a decision, guys. We're, we're going to do it properly from now on, right? <laughs> are we this far in and now we're going to do it properly? <laughs> this is the moment. And did you say that me and Sean are always at it? Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, look, I'm not even going to go into the, the shambles that has been the edit for your feature this week, Sean. I'm not even going to go there. Um, I I think I was sabotaged. It's a fantastic 14 seconds of static. I think Tim has attempted to get back at me, but actually screwed up your computer instead, which is kind of funny. I like that. That's exactly the kind of thing we do. I would never tell. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't know. Um, anyway, yes, let's get on with it because you know we have what we thought we'd do this week is we'd start off talking about the things we meant to do last week. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, and we actually remembered what we said we would do last week because I wrote it down because I'm a professional. I know. Tim, honestly, one week away, are you not stunned by this? Sean has written a list of things to do. He's actually taken interest. Well, there are two things that stun me here. First of all, I was gone for one whole week, and yes, Sean has actually taken initiative and written things down. That That is shocking. Thank you. However, I'm, I'm not so stunned that apparently I was off for a week and everything just felt shambles, so, no, you know. No, no, hang on, hang on. No shambles here. Okay, so there was a slight problem with the NVDA feature. I'll give you that, but I did write down the things we say we would do for this episode, and um, well, Stephen did them, I hope. Well, I'm going to kick off with the first one, and it was about the iPhone SE. Someone got in touch last week to ask the question, right, I've got the iPhone SE, uh, I've got seeing AI on there, but having real problems with the barcode scanning. And uh, I said at the end of last week's show, or at some point during the show last week, right, I will check this out. I will get my iPhone SE, I'll get seeing AI onto it, and I'll try it out. So I did, and... Uh, Actually, I would say the majority of things I tried, bar own brand products in store, worked fine. Um, it seems to have an issue with um, 
like shop brands, but big brands seems to be fine with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with your, your phone. I mean, I suppose the simple option is delete the app and reinstall it. That might be one thing, maybe solves the problem. Also, make sure you've got the latest version of this of the app as well. Make sure you've set your, your apps to update. And if not, just go into the App Store, uh, go to Updates, and make sure you've got the update there, because I think it might make the difference. I mean, they're updating it all the time and adding new features, and, of course, adding new features to older phones as well. But certainly from my experience, the iPhone SE doing pretty well. And, you know, it's one of those things, right? I barely use this barcode scanner, and I have no idea why I don't use it, because it's brilliant. It's actually really good. No, it isn't. Okay, oh, come so on. I also tried it out on my 6S, which is basically an SE, you know, just slightly uh, Cheaper, posher. Rubbish. No. So, um, yeah, it worked for me, I've got to say. So what I was are you just morning about? Because what's the point of it? On most of the things I tried, okay, it found the barcode. So held it on one side and it made no noise, nothing. Turned the product over and it would start beeping. So I knew yeah. the, pr- the barcode was on that side somewhere. So just moved it around a little bit, held it a bit further away. And for me, it found it. But all it said was it would give me the name of the product. And the other information it gave me was at most uh, suitable for vegetarians. And that was it. So basically... It didn't give me anything that the short text wouldn't have given me anyway. Yeah, so, I know what's wrong with you. You just found it was suitable for vegetarians and thought, who cares about that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I went to more info and there was none. So, I mean, if this gave you cooking instructions or, or best buy dates or use by dates, oh. this would be great. But it doesn't. The information it gives you, at least on the products I tried, wasn't really worth knowing. Never happy. It would never know the best by date or sell by date. The UPC code doesn't tell you that oh, information. He's back. Look at oh, his logic and reason. <sighs> I'm sorry to be so reasonable, but no. I mean, there there is a time and a place for the product scanning. I think it does work well. You will find a lot of those, you know, lower brand, no name brand type of products. It, it may not find those, and that's unfortunate. But it's just you know what it is. But I, I do halfway agree with you, Sean, that. If the barcode scanning isn't working for you, yeah, the short text is another way to do it and just get that information that way. You can always, if you're having trouble with the barcode and you really desperately want to get the barcode, you can actually use the OCR in there, use a short text, get the barcode, I guess, and then type it somewhere and then type it. Oh, that's it. a terrible idea. Forget Ugh. that idea. I'm that's just saying it, it's an awful way to do it, but it could be. <laughs> yes, it is. Because you can enter it in by hand if you know it, but. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, the short text works really, really well. I was quite impressed by it, actually. Um, it does the job. It does what you need it to do, which is tell you what the product is. And if you're completely blind and you're standing in a, in a shop wondering, you know, hang on, what is this tin of cat food, beans, what? Um, then, you know, this will tell you. So, again, it's, it's handy for that. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people are still having issues. I mean, it's one of those things It seems to be some people having real issues with barcode scanning, others getting on actually okay with it. I think it just depends on your luck in some cases. I think also lighting maybe helps. I think in a supermarket or a, a big store, you might be not too bad because there's decent lighting in there. But make sure at home you've turned the lights on. It's not the first time yes. I've not done that. Well, um, seeing AI does uh, detect light and dark and will turn the flash on. But sometimes, depending on the packaging, that can make it actually worse. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it so can add glare just, or be too bright. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it I is think, tricky. Yeah. No, that's a point, actually. Yeah, I think the app did. Yes, it did turn the light on, actually. 
Um, but I was in a I was in an office today when I was doing it, so it was fairly bright in there anyway. Um, okay, so you know, let us know how you got on. But we, we we want to find out. And and you know, again, get in touch with Microsoft. I did mention last week that the Microsoft support is available on Be My Eyes, which of course isn't perfect if you're using the phone. You know, you try to explain on about an app that's on the phone. You're con- you're actually connecting to the person on Microsoft with, but might be uh, might be worth just getting in touch with them anyway, just to let them know about it. Because the more people who know about this, the more of a chance it will be fixed. Now, yeah, I, OCR. I want... No, what? Aren't you no, no, aren't you? No, 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 no. Go on. Well, I just wondered because Tim is a fan of the barcode. I just wondered if he's got any tips for the best way to do it. Tim, are you a fan of the barcode? <laughs> I'm a fan of barcode scanning, yes, because I do use it all the time. In our house with a six-year-old, we have many boxes of cereal and lots of different cans of different, uh, you know, Chef Boyardee products, SpaghettiOs, things like that. So I'm always scanning things, trying to figure out, is this the crunchy peanut butter or the creamy peanut butter, you know? So what I have found is, for my own use, on boxes, it's always the barcode's always going to be on the bottom of a box. Uh, rarely is it ever on the back, but if it is on the back, it's in a in a bottom corner. But most of the time, I find that they're on the bottom in one of the corners. And then a can, if you can feel the seam, so usually a can a canned product is going to have a paper label on it. Feel for the seam where the paper comes together, where it's glued. And the, the barcodes are almost always going to be along that seam. So for finding a barcode, those are the, the basics of how I go to find it. And then, like you were describing, Sean, with something like Seeing AI or even Envision AI, these apps will beep as you get closer to it they'll be faster as it gets more of the barcode in the the screen area and uh and then we'll of course beep you know one single beep when it gets it so yeah that that's how i usually approach it i want to talk about ocr because this has been a bit of a topic uh and again it kind of ties into seeing ai uh we talked about voice stream scanner last week uh and you know i did my comparisons. A lot of people are saying, really, it should be com- compared to KNFB Reader, to be fair, maybe or fairer to it. Um, but I think an app for the, the price that it comes in at, which is under $10, I think is amazing. So um, lots of you asking questions about it. One of you asked last week about um, JAWS OCR. Now, I'll be honest, I have never used it. I don't think any of us have used it, have we? No, I, I did play with the NVDA add-on when that was available, but that was a while ago, I think in version 2016. Um, but I do know it's there, but I'll be honest, I haven't used it. Yeah, I knew it was there. I never, unfortunately, have had a chance to try it. Uh, I knew kind of in general how to get into it. I think it's a great idea, but yeah, unfortunately, I've just never tried it. Well, uh, we did have a go at it together today, and um, hmm, okay, so it's there. <laughs> Right, first things first. You ha- I didn't realize this. I thought you could connect my scanner. I had my book ready. Uh, I was sitting there ready. Right, okay, let's get the book into <laughs> oh, the scanner. It was hilarious. Oh, Mr. Tech. How you laughed. I got my scanner out. <laughs> got my oh, scanner me. out, and I'm, sta- I'm sitting there with my little scanner. Well, big, it's huge, this thing. Okay. And, um, yeah, behave. And um, put the book on it. And I said to Tim, I said, right, come on, Tim, you're the brains among us. How do we how do we make this thing fly? And what was the funniest and part about that is Sean was the one that said, Tim, explain it to him because I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you in last week's show, it's for objects on the screen. It's for images on the screen. Well, yeah. 
but I didn't hear that. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realise that. So what I did was I went online, because obviously it doesn't work of a scanner. You've got to have something on screen. So it could be a PDF document or it might be a meme from Facebook or whatever, and it will go off and do what it can to to grab the, the text from it. So I downloaded just a random PDF and um, ran the OCR. Uh, to do it, you uh, hold down insert, then press space. You get a little click noise, or a little kind of noise. Um, Perfect. That was good, wasn't it? Actually, it was like I was there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like a live demo. I'm, I'm a live demo of Jaws all by myself. <laughs> it's like that guy from uh, Police Academy. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> can do all the sound effects. I'll do the Windows 95 for you later. Um, so, yeah, then after you do insert, then press space. You then type OD. Um, and that, I guess, is for OCR. And describe, maybe. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's um, for OCR, that brings you up another menu, and D is for document. I like to describe that. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Um, so, uh, anyway, did that, and it did. After a while, it kind of just thought about it for a while, and then eventually brought up a little window with all the text in it, and it seems to be all right. So, yeah, I mean, it works. It's good for documents like that. It's not a bad idea, actually. Uh, because one of the things I, I was doing at my job recently was trying to scan invoices. So I couldn't read the invoice. So what I was doing was having to take print this, the invoice out, then scan it back in and do it that way. Um, ah, you see, that's exactly what this yeah. feature is for. Right. So it, it does come down to productivity. and I haven't had a reason to really use it. Um, but it's nice that it's there. And it is available in NVDA. It's built in now in the latest uh, updates. So it's pretty that's, smart, actually. That's the NVDA key and the letter R to start recognizing a uh, an image. You may, just make sure focus is on it and then hit NVDA R and recognition will start. And as we've talked about previously, Narrator actually combined with Seeing AI for Microsoft, you can do the same thing with mm -hmm. images with Narrator. So all three of them now can, can do this, which I think is fantastic. And oh, whoa, that... whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on. Narrator and seeing AI? What are we talking about here? Yes. This is typical. Honestly, he sat there with us Ugh. during the narrator webinar from Microsoft, and you know, he still doesn't listen. Even afterwards, he said, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard of, and you've forgotten about it again. We even talked Honestly, about it on the show. Don't shocked. I don't listen when I'm on the show. I talk. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Forget that. Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, actually, that's, that's a great feature as well. Um, and I think I don't think it's out yet, is it? I think it's coming in the latest update, which is that's correct. Yeah, it anytime. isn't quite out yet. That's true. It is coming out. I think this summer. Oh, wow, that's why I didn't know about it. it doesn't you didn't know exist about it because yet. you refuse to use narrator. That's why. I know. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, oh, I'll be honest. I haven't used it that much, but I, I use it occasionally. It's. I mean, it's one of those things I use when I, on machines I don't have Jaws because I'm not going to stick Jaws on a machine that's got narrator. Correct. Uh, but you know, and narrator's good. It is really good. Um, getting better all the time. Um, now, yeah. so yeah, Jaws OCR. Um, it's one of those things. It's actually, when I think about it, it's actually quite functional. But I think for most users, maybe not. I think it's more of a business productivity thing. If it works with Facebook memes and stuff, the only problem is though, do you have to? Can you just? I mean, like that PDF I had to open up in Adobe Acrobat first. Do I have to download the image first, or can I just go to? Like, say it's on Facebook. Can I just get focus on it and then will Jaws just read it? We didn't try that. Um, I believe it will. It should do, yeah, yes. That's, okay. that's, well, that's quite good, actually. Okay. Um, well, look, we've got lots to get through. We've got lots of emails to come as well. And um, 
Sean, you're going to be doing a bit of a feature for us this week. I mean, it originally was 14 seconds long last time we checked the garbled edit. Um, where is it sitting now? <laughs> I mean, it, let's just say the first edit of it was beautiful. Of course. It was like an opera of tech beauty. Um, and now it's just 14 seconds of static. So, um, no, I'm going to be taking a look at NVDA, carrying on on our Beginner's Guide to Assistive Tech. I'm going to install NVDA and go through the keystrokes that you should know and the functions you should know. But first, the news. Uh, let's talk about what's happening. Um, I'm going to really try not to laugh here. Samsung's Galaxy Fold um doesn't has folded yeah has literally <laughs> folded yeah never mind breaking news this is breaking phones um this is not great um but it is kind of funny and i think tim cook will be laughing a lot right now <laughs> but why why are you taking so much pleasure in that because look when this was announced and it came out it was wow they beat everyone to the punch and it works and it's great and uh, it was exciting. It was the first innovation we've had in the smartphone system in a, a long time. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Yeah, okay, that is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, it's not quite it's not quite battery gate again. I mean, thank goodness for that. But you know, it's not great if you're going to get one of these things and it doesn't actually, you know, work. Uh, so it's all to do with some seal, isn't it, Tim? That people were picking off, but they shouldn't have been. So um, wait a minute. First of all, the the Big news here is that, oh, well, at least it doesn't explode like the batteries did. Yay! Okay. <laughs> Yay! Um, yes, there, there has been an issue with the, the sealant and the way that the uh, phone, when you fold it over, the, the, it is properly or supposed to be uh, properly sealed in such a way when you bend the phone or fold the phone closed and reopen it. It, it's supposed to protect all that and the way it bends and because it's not really on a hinge. It's it, it's very difficult to describe uh, without actually putting your hands on one. But yeah, the, the issue is, is that that can come off or, or be taken off. And then the phone, when you fold it, just breaks, just totally breaks. And that obviously is a design flaw. Obviously, they didn't see this somehow. And uh, I know at least in the United States and probably elsewhere, they are uh, holding off the Samsung Galaxy Fold indefinitely until they can figure this out. Oh, dear. Um, well, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't overly keen on hanging around for one anyway. I mean, I nope. liked the sound of it. Um, but, you know, I jumped in and got the S10, kind of expecting that this Galaxy Fold would either be delayed or wouldn't turn up for a while. Um, and it really isn't going to turn up for a while now. Uh, what do we think, Sean? Do you think Tim is laughing his head off and thinking... Oh, well, you know, we've got something else in the works that's going to be much better, but we'll do our usual wait three years. Yes, I think the other tech giants in the industry are laughing big because mm. this was purely because the price of the phone, it's not it's only for early uh, adopters. It's not a mainstream phone. So they weren't going to make millions of these anyway, not at that price. And I think they just wanted to be the first on the block with the folding phone, which was great and it was exciting. But the 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 problem that they've got with the people were thinking it's just one of those screen protectors that you get on new devices and you peel it off. So the very fact that this piece of film over the, the front of the screen had edges that they could pick at and peel and they did think it was something to take off. That is such a, a bad design flaw. And to put the review units out there with that in place, and apparently that was the final product as well. This wasn't a pre-production. That is really poor. 
and and some of the people that didn't peel these off by mistake, actually they just started to bubble off anyway because of the lip around the screen where this protector was sticking out further than the screen. So, I mean, from a design point of view, it's an absolute disaster, and from a PR point of view, it's a disaster as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, being the first on the block, not always the best um, best thing to do, I suppose. Which is why I think Apple tries to let others get into that. They don't always have to be first. And they just say, well, we'll take it and we'll make it better. And I think this does open the door for Apple or other companies to say, you know what? Okay, you failed. We're going to take this idea. We're going to work it through. We're going to get it out in the next year or so. And we're going to try to make it right. And that would make Samsung even more of a laughing stock. And, and even Samsung made it worse because their keynote, as you guys remember, they led off with the Samsung fold at the keynote. Mm-hmm. This was the big deal. It wasn't the Galaxy S10 or the Galaxy S10 or uh, uh, E, the, you know, the lower one. Yep. They wanted to push the fold. This was the big deal. And now it, it's just not working out for them. So, yeah, this is this is a disaster. But uh, like I said, I think that Apple and other companies are going to definitely take advantage of this. Well, um, yeah, I, I think it's quite amusing. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of think it's it's good in a way that these ideas are out there. And, you know, it, it will this will absolutely come back in some form, um, either by Samsung oh, yeah. themselves or, you know, Apple having their own designs well, on this kind of idea. We're waiting for uh, the, the one from LG and I hate this name, but I'll try it. Huawei. We're still there. They've got. Sorry. That's how you pronounce it in the <laughs> native tongue. Um, really? In which native tongue? <laughs> Northern English? Yes. So right. the LG and Huawei phones uh, Huawei. Are, are virtually uh, ready for release, so we hear. So um, that's going to be interesting to see if they can actually get a, a working model out onto the market. I want to talk about Microsoft because they're in the news this week as well. And, and this is a really interesting story for us because it's technology, again, built for us. They're really taking this uh, seeing AI idea to the next level. And um, for those out there who are maybe a bit worried about Microsoft seeing AI, maybe it's just a bit of a project, maybe it'll just die in a corner somewhere, you know, they'll move on to the next big thing, uh, the next hot disability, um, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> blindness <laughs> was cool. Blind people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's blindness not cool anymore, cool anymore to be blind. <laughs> um, so, you know, okay, maybe that people might think that, and, and I must admit that's kind of crossed my mind from time to time as well. But it does seem as if they are still keen to keep developing in this field, and they've brought out Microsoft Seeing VR. Um, this is rather interesting because there are already some products in this space already. Um, I mean, eSight most notably. Uh, there's OrCam as well, although it's not virtual reality. But eSight is very close to virtual reality in the way that it works. It's not. Um, well, <laughs> I'm not throwing it, you under the bus, but augmented not reality, at all. No, okay. It's not. It's not VR. No, okay. It's not VR, but it's it's kind of similar built. I've tried eSight, and it kind of works off the idea of a camera pointed outwards, and you're looking at screens inside. And I know VR is a bit different in this one because it's more about text and about reading. Um, but it's what I guess I'm getting at is it's a kind of technology that you maybe wouldn't want to be seen wearing outside. Um, no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, I mean, you should be an expert on VR because you use it with the PlayStation. So that's exactly what VR is. It is purely, in, in this remit anyway, for gaming. And that's what Microsoft has uh, focused on. And I'm amazed by it, I'll be honest, because it, it's it's recognising that 
blindness doesn't mean that you can't see anything necessarily. Uh, there's low vision and partial sighted, and th- uh, we do play games. So it's recognizing that fact and that VR is going to be the next big thing and that they're going to try and make that accessible. They've made a toolkit which adds um, various different things to make it accessible to people with low vision. And um, it's just really forward thinking, I think, from Microsoft. And again, Microsoft just nailed it. They are so on this accessibility. Yeah, I'm really impressed with this, and I'm so thankful and happy that Microsoft hasn't abandoned us. They keep just putting out you know, product after product that's helping the blind and visually impaired, and, and it is such a great thing. And for me, even as a person who's totally blind, basically, I'm excited by this. I, I've been interested in VR since I was a kid, even though Nintendo's VR uh, way back in the day was a bunch of red lines on a screen. <laughs> yes. It was awful. It was horrible. But I was interested in the idea of it, you know, from that age when I could see. And then when, you know, my vision got worse, I'm like, oh, well, VR is going to come someday and I'm not going to get to use it. And I read the novel Ready Player One and the movie that's all about VR. And I'm like, oh, well, again, I'm going to be excluded from this because it's all visual. And then here comes Microsoft saying, well, not only for low vision people, we're going to have, uh, you know, the ability to zoom and change your text size and invert colors and contrast and all the things you would expect but then also have text-to-speech in there and audio to describe a scene, to read text that's on the screen. So I may actually be able to get a VR headset and have it dis- have you know the scene or the setting described to me, have the text read out loud to me. And for gaming alone or some of the other more recreational VR things where you can visit different cities or different areas, landmarks, things like that, there's a lot of different VR that's going to be out. And to know that even as a totally blind person, I may have access to that in some fashion, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, okay, I know this is focusing in on gaming, but I can absolutely see the applications for this. You imagine using your computer in this way. There are a lot of people who use things like Zoom Text um, or Supernova, you know, and, and find it quite difficult to use. Whereas if you were able to get around your screen with virtual reality in that way, um, that would work as well. And again, the idea of turning text into speech and all that stuff, that could really work. Well, plus in a virtual reality environment, you're able to have that 360 you know, environment experience. So you could have multiple screens, you could have multiple things or, or different areas, just turning your head, looking around, all that kind of thing, you know, moving screens in and out, you know, virtually in real time in front of you. Uh, I think they were talking about for people with low vision, they actually would have a pointer with a controller that would, in essence, you would basically see a laser on screen to point it at an object or at text to get it to, to read to you. Uh, if you you know if you had some vision you could do that so but you you are going to need to have some vision to use this to to That's... do that part but it did sound to me like you could go into a mode where it would automatically read text i don't know about the automatically describing of a scene but it did talk about you know you could go from pointing at text to maybe even automatically reading text either way I, i'm just really excited about it and i think you're right that using it to navigate virtual websites or to you know do other different things that you would do on your computer but in a virtual environment i think it really could be a game changer for not just sighted people but even for people with you know visual impairments i mean it's interesting because obviously we've got um i mentioned eSight, and one of the things you can do with eSight, as well as looking through the camera at whatever you're looking at which you can't do with vr obviously that's not what it's for but what you can do with eSight is you can put content into it 
So you can turn the screens into those close-up screens. So for games, for computer screens, for anything. I mean, I think one of the examples they use, in fact, they did in the demo I got with eSight, you could um, you could watch YouTube videos up close. You could watch Netflix up close. Yeah. And you could zoom in on it in particular areas and you could, you know, alter text, you know, colors, attributes, size, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, it seems, I mean, that's why I'm saying this is in this space. I'm, it's not, I'm not saying they're the same because they are different products, but the idea is very similar. Um, at the heart of it, which is, of course, to make all of this content up close and personal to us. Um, but I'm, I'm quite, yeah, I mean, I'm quietly interested in this, I think. I mean, VR is good. I just have the real problem of I can only use it for like 10, 15 minutes and then it's right, that's got to come off. Um, because I'll tell you something. After I, I was on there once for two hours driving a car across America on a game called The Crew, which was great fun. Although I must have totaled that car I don't know how many times. <laughs> and um, by the end of it, my eyes had almost dried out. <laughs> Every tear was gone. Um, about fifteen gallons of eye drops later, Take you know, before a break. I could see no, again. I, mean, it's like... I know, but I was having fun. <laughs> okay, Enjoy myself. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's great to see Microsoft innovate in this space and um, long may it continue. If you've got a story you want to share or you want to tell us a story, then get in touch and tell us feedback at ami.ca. And speaking of your responses and your emails, we'll be doing that next. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap Canada. And we're going to talk about NVDA shortly. Uh, Sean's going to be looking at... Uh, that from a beginner point of view. Um, you know, when I think simple, I think Sean. Um, We're not having that. So, yeah. That, <laughs> that's I, not a thing. I, I, I still think that's nope. a great feature name. I do. Uh, right, let's get to your emails now. Last week, I did attempt to read some of them. Big mistake. So this week, I'm handing over to uh, automated technology. This is actually a bad idea because I think the guys at AMI are going to think, All right, hang on a minute. If we could... We could just get these guys <laughs> automated so that they, you know, we don't have to bother with them. Um, we can just, you know, replace them with robots. Who'd notice is probably the response, I think, from most. Oof, um, we're, we're all out of a job. We're all gone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I thought much. about that recently because Google just added a new voice for their Google Assistant. They took the singer, uh, John Legend. And had him spend 10 days recording his voice as a synthesized uh, computer voice. And you can actually have that be your voice on an assistant. So if they no can start way. doing, yeah, oh, yeah, that just happened like this last week. And I tried it out on the assistant app on my phone. And it's really eerie about how it works. And yeah, so if they can do that, they're going to start to synthesize us. I, I fear we're in trouble. Well, we're ahead of the curve on this one. We're showing them that <laughs> they need both. Um, so, yeah, we're going to use assistance to do this. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get our first email in, and uh, let's hear from Stan. Your co-host is going to be upset with me because I have to give Stephen a pat on the back for his suggestion about phone placement when doing scanning. I took a document and placed it on the floor and did a scan using the Voice Dream Scanner app and it felt more of a natural way to get an even scan. It seemed to give me a better point of focus for scanning purposes. Keep up the good work, guys. Stan. Well, let me just say, actually, that was my idea that I told Stephen. So you're welcome, Stan. <laughs> Did I not say that? No, no, I don't think. I, I thought it was me. No, no, yeah, you said it, but I told you off air. 
I told you how to do it, and then oh, that old yeah, classic. Yeah, no, that's fine. Is it? You take credit oh, yeah, for it. That's no, yeah. absolutely fine. Mm, okay. and I do believe on air we were talking about getting one of those stands and things like that that you can actually put the phone in to make it uh, steady. And Terrible. Terrible. All of that. Yeah. Mm. Awful. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, Stan. Yeah. Thank you, Stan. Great email. Uh, let's get uh, an email from Dora. Hello, you three. My name's Dora. I'm 27 and totally blind from Port Hardy, British Columbia. I truly love your show. It's not only full of tech, but an amazing sense of humor as well. I love how you guys pick on each other constantly. You all keep me smiling nonstop, and nobody does it the way you do. I have an idea, and since you guys are podcasters, I figured I'd ask you. I've often wondered what went into podcasting. It's just an idea for now, but I was thinking of starting something to do with accessing the Disney theme parks as a person with disabilities. It could be interviews, it could be tips or it could be stories on how the parks have impacted said people, but I'd hate to do this alone, and I'm afraid of it not working out due to not enough interest. Sadly I don't have enough blind or visually impaired people who are into Disney as much as I am, plus, I don't make it out to the parks as often as I'd like to really know everything there is to know about accessibility, and money is tight. I just feel there's not enough out there to represent us at the parks. Sure there are podcast episodes, but I'm looking to do a show that primarily focuses on accessibility at the Disney theme parks, on Disney Cruise Line and at Disney's Orlando Resort. I thought of calling it Access the Mouse. Are there any tips or guidelines you guys would recommend as to where to start? Thanks so much. Please keep the humor coming, and keep being your awesome selves. Cheers, Dora Speck. Wow, that was fantastic. Oh, Thank thanks, you. That Dora. was amazing. Thank you, Dora. Wow. Um, yeah, I've got to say, I mean, look, if you're making a podcast, Dora, it's really simple. You just get a couple of people around a table, talk absolute nonsense, and apparently people <laughs> like it. Um, that's what we've found. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to give away any state wow. secrets here. Too much detail there, Steve. Yeah, I know. I, honestly, I, think, I think I maybe need to explain it more clearly. Um, no, I, I think... What you are talking about there is a great idea. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, podcast, this is a great thing about podcasts. They can be about anything. They don't have to be uh, general. They can be niche. They can be unique to a specific thing. I mean, like you're talking about Disney theme parks, accessibility of them. I, I'd totally listen to that. I think that'd be a great idea. Absolutely. I would as well. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. There are podcasts, even blindness-related podcasts out there, <coughs> Life After Blindness, that uh, do oh, talk. Which one's that? Oh, I wasn't aware oh, of that what's one. What's that? Life After Blindness, which can be found at lifeafterblindness.com, I believe. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So that podcast talks about all things blindness, tech, accessibility, travel, all kinds of things. And, right, and these kind of things can come up. <laughs> but like she said, there are podcast episodes where a person may talk about that like Life After Blindness, but it's not the whole focus of the show. So I think to do a niche podcast like this where you just deep dive in and say, okay, I'm going to do all things Disney from the standpoint of accessibility for the blind, I think drilling down like that and, and doing that kind of a podcast would be great, and I would definitely listen to it. But the answer to the question of getting started Wow. I mean, the real answer is there's so many ways to do it. The way I would do it or, or Sean would do it or, you know, Steven might be different. Uh, even though we do this show, obviously, in a very similar way. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I personally like using WordPress. It's very simple. It's very easy. I know the guys, you know, you guys like WordPress as well. A lot of easy things to use there. Um, it's just a matter of what you want it to be and how you want to do it. You could get in, gosh, you could go down the rabbit hole of mixers and mics and media hosts. But then again, you don't have to do all that either. There are apps and services out there that can make that a little easier for you as well. Yeah, I'll be honest, it's, it's a hard game to get into from scratch, only because of the fact, and I don't mean so much the creation of the podcast itself, because look, you could do it really simply, open up voice memos on your iPhone or go to you know, your, your smartphone or tablet of choice and you know, find a recording app there if it's Android, uh, and just start recording, just talk about what you're doing, and then post that up. Now, I think what I would say to you is, um, maybe forget a podcast right away, see what people think about what you're doing. Post something up onto YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if you make a video on your phone of you just talking about your experience and then putting that up on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, see what kind of response you get. And if it starts to get a bit of traction, then think about creating a podcast. Maybe that's a, an easier way to get going because I think getting stuff up onto Facebook is a lot easier than trying to build a podcast yeah. and all that stuff that goes with it. But, you know, look, we'll get back to you separately, Dora, and we will give you some information um, because, you know, I, we'd like to help you here with this. But, you know, I, I would start really simply. And actually, you get to loads of people that way as well. Yeah, I want to just quickly, I know we're going to move on, but I want to quickly agree with that, Stephen, because when I started Life After Blindness, that's basically what I did. Ugh. I did blogging. I had a WordPress blog, and I shared those blogs to Twitter and Facebook. I shared news stories and things like that to build up a reputation, to build up a following, and then slowly moved into getting into a podcast over time. And I, I think that that really was for the best. So I think that's really good advice. And I'm sure the good folks here at AMI would love to have you maybe as a community reporter, uh, you know, talking about these issues as well. So, you know, that's something maybe we should get you involved in as well. You never know. Uh -huh, yeah, um, good idea. Right, let's get a couple more emails because we've got a lot to get through and uh, time is tight as always. Uh, Greg's been in touch. Hello, Tappers. I completely agree with Stan on the ID mate. I use an older model and the laser finds the barcode very easily and aside from identifying items in the kitchen items with ingredients, nutritional info and cooking directions, its database has CD info including tracks, DVDs, just about anything. I don't use my pen friend because I put barcodes on everything I need to label that doesn't already have one I never have to guess which power brick goes to which device. Regarding scanning the smartphone apps are indeed great, but any OCR software can re-accurately clean simple documents like the ones you tested. Kurzweil 1000 will beat any phone app with its ability to read old faded documents on stained speckled paper with its ability to set speckle removal, scanner brightness and other attributes. Your complaint about its speed and batch scanning is easily adjusted in settings. It also has powerful features for marking up accessible documents in various formats with heading, levels, footnotes and such in many formats including DAISY and accessible PDF. To really get the most of your K1000 parrot with a book edge scanner such as a Plus Tech Optic Book. This type of scanner has the glass go all the way to edge so bound books can be accurately scanned without breaking the binding.
They are used by archivists to digitize books but are great for blind book readers. In my opinion you no longer need a program like K1000 or Ruby to read mail or short documents, a phone app does this fine or any OCR software that is accessible. Personally I could not stay employed without K1000 and the ID mate in my toolbox, the ID mate just makes life so much easier and they last many years. Concerning Amazon employees listening to some recording to improve the system, it is indeed spelled out in a terms of service, and you can easily turn the recording of your commands off in the settings section for the Alexa app if you are concerned about this. The last two shows have been exceptionally good ones. Great job. Greg in Pennsylvania. <laughs> the ones before the last two, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Absolutely dreadful. Um, no, Greg, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And um, I hope we got that across. We, we weren't saying that Kurzweil 1000 was bad software. No. Not by any no. means. Um, as you pointed out, those features such as despeckle and um, exporting accessible marked up text is important and it's those sort of features which can make the difference and can um justify the price point but you know as you rightfully said that the short text and reading mail uh, sort of casual ocr let's say not for work not for employment um i don't think there is really a need to pay a large amount of money for that anymore and you know, the point that stan had made in the previous email was regarding the id mate of course which is the hardware version of this rather than some kind of piece of software um which a lot of people are preferring um you know and it's it's, it's just one of those things isn't it it's what suits you um but i, I totally agree with greg you know for, for employment purposes i think that it's key that we that we have this kind of software um unfortunately at its price level you know it's, it's really only available to those in employment so yeah that's the honest. trouble but the id mate is one of those pieces of specialized kit and i'm not I don't hate all specialized kit, no matter what Steven says. The ID mate is yes, actually... No, no, no. Look, that's the perfect <laughs> example of the problems people are having with these app-based barcode scanners, whereas uh, something like the ID mate just makes it so much easier, and it's perfect for that. Right, oh, third party. Sorry, Tim, I just want to get some more emails in because we've got so many emails to get through. Let's get another one here. Hi there, guys. Just wanted to drop a line to say thanks for your thoughts regarding my comments about seeing AI. It's reassuring to know that it's highly likely the issues are nothing to do with the SE after all. I do love my SE. It's a great phone and I love the smaller screen. I could never manage with an iPad. Quick update now that I've had more time to mess around with Voice Dream Scanner. For me it's amazing. My go-to app for jobs like reading mail and other bits of print. In fact I personally prefer it to the Seeing AI document channel. Far more accurate. Now I just have to figure out how the batch scanning mode works. Thanks, guys. Loving the podcast. Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, yes, we uh, did try and help her, Rachel, last week on uh, the issues she was having with her iPhone SE. Thankfully, you're getting those issues resolved, which is fantastic. Um, voice stream scanner yet again. High praise. Everybody loves it. I haven't heard one bad word against voice stream scanner yet. Um, but... I don't think she said that she'd resolved her issue. So her problem was mm. the barcode scanning in Seeing AI, couldn't get it to work. Um, now, your test with the iPhone SE, the same phone that Rachel has, uh, shows that the phone itself, the SE, is capable of using it. And as Rachel is using Voice Dream Scanner as well, it should 
you know, show that her camera is working fine and her, her individual phone is working okay. So why you would still be having problems with the barcode scanning, I, I honestly do not know. Um, but as I said before, lots of people do have problems with it. I don't particularly use it a lot, but when I did try it after your email last week, um, it worked okay on the few products I scanned. So, But I've heard lots of people say they just can't get it to work as well. So... Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. But maybe our listeners may have some tips and some ideas. So feedback at ami.ca if you can help Rachel. Okay, let's get one more email in then. Hi, on the subject of OCR software, have you had any success with reading a credit card bill? Specifically the area where it lists the details of transactions. I have tried several different OCR readers with no success at all. I used to be able to read my credit card bill with KNFB Reader, but no longer even when I select single column or multi-column makes no difference it still will read all the transaction dates of the column then all the companies then all the reference numbers then all the dollar figures which is very frustrating i will say that the microsoft seeing ai has got to be the worst of all the ones i've tried at doing this any suggestions would be greatly appreciated regards graham langford unionville ontario well this is one where this may be the technology uh, in a phone versus the specific technology of a computer. I've had the same experience when it comes to columns and rows and getting that information and getting it parsed out. Yeah, these these apps can get the text, but it then becomes kind of jumbled up on, on the screen when it reads it to you. This may be where Cursewile 1000 or KNFB Reader for uh, the PC is going to come into play because your, your flatbed scanner is going to get this information a lot better and uh you know get that detail whereas the phone is getting it but it's just not lining it up properly so specialized tech in this case may be a better option but yeah i haven't had much luck with this either of you guys well tim i can tell you one thing i tried scanning my bank card not the bill but the card and it wouldn't read it and that's how that's that's one of my biggest challenges if i'm honest graham i can't find anything that will actually read my card properly um, thank goodness that the Apple phone can actually scan it in itself uh, so it can scan in and then, you know, add the card to my, my Apple wallet. Um, but no, I've never tried scanning in a bill like that. I mean, obviously, you, you've got lots of columns going on there, but you'd think something like Cutswell, as you say, Tim, would be able to handle that better. Yeah, you would think that it would, especially with the multi-column ability of it. And it, it should work, I would think, in theory, but I've not tried it recently so i don't know have you tried it sean uh not for a while but is it that's the only thing you can play around with is the single column or the multi-column option because that's the only thing that it does either reads down or it reads across in multi-column view it should read across all the columns so you get an item at a time in proper order uh, and if it's not doing that there's something strange going on maybe our listeners can uh, help with this yeah feedback at ami.ca tell us how you got on Get that in the list for next week, Sean. We'll get that tested. I'm writing it down right now. Excellent. Um, right, that's almost it for us. But before we go, we're going to turn over to Sean because he is going to be helping us out with beginning with NVDA. Uh, this is actually really useful. For those of you out there who are really wanting to get into NVDA but not really sure where to start, here is Sean Priest. NVDA, where would we be without acronyms in tech? So what does it stand for? Well, 
non-visual desktop access. Sounds complicated, but what this is, is a Windows-based screen reader. It's very good, it's the one that I use, but best of all, it's free! Yes, free! And no, Stephen, that's not the only reason I use it. It's actually very powerful and fully featured. And I've got to say, I think it changed the game when it came to accessibility for Windows users. The first free and actually usable and useful screen reader. It's great, so definitely check it out. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to show you how to download NVDA, how to install it, and some of the basic commands to get you started. Let's jump into it. Let's pretend I've just got my fancy new Windows desktop or laptop computer. But oh no, it's not accessible. So let's change that. First things first, let's turn on Microsoft Narrator. Now, Narrator is Microsoft's own built-in screen reader that comes with every version of Windows. So why install a third-party screen reader then? Ah, good question. Well, Narrator is fine. Hmm, it's okay, but a lot of people think it's not quite as powerful or as usable as a third-party screen reader such as NVDA or JAWS. Microsoft are improving Narrator with every new update to Windows, and the next update they are promising some really great features. So we will, of course, cover that when it's officially released. But for now, I'm just going to use Narrator so I can download NVDA. To turn on Narrator, you hit the Windows key, Control key, and the Enter key all at the same time. Starting Narrator. Narrator dialog. Okay. Button. If this is your first time running Narrator, you'll get a dialog box, but I'm not going to go into that, so just hit OK to get rid of it. Now, let's open up the Edge browser to download NVDA. So, hit the Windows key to bring up the Start menu, and type Edge. E-D-G-E. E-D-G-E. Just hit the Enter key to start the Edge web browser. Scan, banner, search, editing, all plus S. Now press the control key and the letter L to jump to the address bar and type in nvaccess.org. Search or enter web address, editing, n-v-a-c-c-e-s-s, period, o-r-g. Loading complete, nvaccess. Now all we're going to do is tap through until we find the download link. So just hit the tab key. nvaccess empowering lives, donate, link, home, link, download, link. That's the one. Hit enter on that. Loading complete. NV access download. Now, I'll be honest with you. I find the NVDA download page a little bit more confusing than I think it should be. I really wish they would simplify it a little bit. But again, all we're going to do is keep hitting the tab key until we come to the email field. Email address. Editing. Scan off. Editing. So, type in your email address. Now, NVDA, as I said, is free, but it does rely on donations. And if you do use it, I would highly recommend that you do donate. It really makes a difference. Now, just above where we typed our email are the donation options. So, you can choose whatever option you want, but for the sake of this demo, I'm going to choose Do Not Donate at this time. So, I'm just going to hit the arrow up key a few times. Scan. Want to stay up to date with the heading level 2. Receive new. Skip donation this time. Non-selected, radio button, skip donation this time. Hit space to select that option, then just hit tab again until you find the download button. Email address, editing Sean at doubletip.online. Download button. There it is, hit enter to start the download. New notification. Press alt plus n to select it. It says, what do you want to do with enda underscore 2019.1.1.exe? 
As you heard, we get a notification, so hit the Alt key and the letter N for November, and you will get these options. Notification, run, button. Save, button. Dismiss, button. Hit Tab to go through those various options. I'm going to save it to my computer, so I'm going to hit Enter on Save. New notification. Press Alt plus N to select it. It says, Enda underscore 2019.1.1.exe finished downloading. Wow, that was quick. Okay, so once it's downloaded, again, you'll get a notification. So again, hit Alt-N. Run, button. Open folder, button. Let's hit enter on open in folder to see the actual file. Downloads window, items view, table items view, has 25 rows, 4 columns, Enda underscore 2019.1.1.exe, selected. And there it is. Easy. Well, kind of. So... What I'm going to do now is turn off Narrator. To do this, just hit Control, Windows and Enter again. Exiting Narrator. Now I'm just going to hit Enter to start installing NVDA. Here we go. Funky! Yes, that's the NVDA installation tune, so just wait a minute and you will hear... NVDA dialog license agreement grouping license agreement edit read only multi line NVDA license. Oh no, not a license agreement. Who reads these? Well, you should do, but if you don't, just hit tab. I agree checkbox not checked alt plus A. Yes, I do, so I'm just going to hit space on this. Space checked. And then tab through the other options. Install NVDA on this computer button alt plus I. Well, that's self explanatory. Create portable copy button Alt plus D. This is a great feature, so you can install NVDA onto a USB pen drive. That way you can carry it around in your pocket, and if you want to use a computer that has no accessibility, just plug in the USB and run NVDA from that. You don't have to install it onto someone else's computer. It's great! Continue running button Alt plus C. Continue running. As you heard, NVDA installation is self-voicing. It's actually running a version of NVDA already, so you can just carry on using it without installing it onto the current computer. Exit button Alt plus X. And finally, we have exit installation. So what I'm going to do is go back to install on this computer and hit enter. Install NVDA dialog to install NVDA to your hard drive. Please press the continue button. Options grouping. Use NVDA on the Windows logon screen checkbox checked Alt plus L. So, okay, before we go any further, let's address the elephant in the room. That terrible voice synth. Yes, I know, it's horrible. It's called eSpeak and it's a free voice synthesizer that comes bundled with NVDA, but don't worry, we will change this in a minute. So anyway, in this dialog box, there's two options. Run NVDA on the login screen is the first one. Now, obviously, this will mean that NVDA will start as soon as you get to the login screen on your Windows computer, which is probably helpful. This option is on by default. The next option is create a desktop icon for NVDA, which is purely up to you. But again, this is on by default. Use tab and spacebar to choose the options you want until you get to the continue button. Then hit enter. Continue button alt plus C. Secure desktop. You'll then get the standard Windows user access control dialog asking if you want to allow NVDA to make changes. Press the alt and the Y key to choose yes. Installing NVDA dialog, please wait while NVDA is being installed. Installing NVDA, install success dialog, successfully installed NVDA. Please press OK to start the installed copy. OK button. And that's it. I mean, wasn't that painless? Well, 
Kind of. It's straightforward and pretty quick. So press enter on the OK button and your new freshly installed NVDA will start. So, well done, you've downloaded NVDA and you've installed it on your computer. So let's get into how to use it. Firstly, what? What's, what do you mean I'm out of time? I can't, this is important, I'm just, <sighs> okay, apparently I'm out of time. But don't worry, next week I will show you how to get started with NVDA and most importantly, how to change that annoying voice synth. It's them two, Tim and Steve, you just can't stop them talking. Blame them. Thanks, Sean. A, I think, rather compressed version of your beginner's guide this week due to time, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it is great to learn all about NVDA there. Uh, that is it from us, though. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, you can get in touch by emailing feedback at ami.ca. Lots of you getting in touch. Thank you for that. We'll get to more of your emails next week. Keep the conversations coming. Uh, Sean and Tim, as always, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, keep up to date with everything that's happening on the show at ami.ca. Catch you next week. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.